Welcome, everybody. It's feeder time again. And, uh, well, to spend the next hour debating the ins and outs of feeder, I have uh, Mr. Dodgy with here with me. So, welcome, Dodgy. Uh, thanks, Peter. It's good to see you again. I hope you're having a good week. I'm very glad to be back at feeder time. Yeah, that, that's great. So, let's just uh, get right to it. No more pleasantries. Uh, what happened since last time? Well, you are sort of the world's leading Kramnik block expert. So update us there. That's true. I'm, I'm not entirely sure where we left off the last time because Kramnik has written many, many, many blogs since then and also several videos. But he has continued to demand evidence from chess.com that they should uh, investigate Nakamura and that their investigation should be should have a conclusion that he enjoys. I think that's the, the fairest way to say it without getting sued, because he's also threatened to sue anyone who says that he has accused Nakamura of cheating. So I would like to make it clear, he hasn't accused Nakamura of cheating. He has only heavily insinuated it. So that is the balance that we have to debate if uh, Nakamura has been cheating, but also we cannot uh, say that Kramnik thinks he has. Or Yeah, that's where we are, legally speaking. Are, are we allowed to say that we think Nakamura was cheating? He wants to oh. us, right? He pr- he'll never know. So. <laughs> no, no, no. I think we have a juridical safe space here, the two of us. So th- that should be fine. Well, I want to state one thing first. For me, it's a bit painful talking about Kramnik like this. I was such a huge fan of him in my youth. I, you know, I named a cat after him. I played all his openings. He was basically sort of the, you know, the mental overlord of uh, chess understanding and such. But now it's gotten to basically how I guess many had it with Fischer that you just have to separate the the, the, the chess player from from the person. I, I still like him, you know, when I've met him as a person to some extent, but. Uh, it becomes difficult uh, defending him uh, anymore. I mean, it seems to be... Gibberish is too strong, but pretty weird. I think Chess.com also made a statement, right? They actually said uh, it makes no sense. Yeah, Chess.com did uh, make a statement, and they they kind of made it clear that they had investigated Nakamura's games many times. And I, I my understanding, and I'm not too kind of in touch with the fair play team at Chess.com, but my understanding is that they do pay very close attention to Nakamura and Carlson's games because they're a very good benchmark uh, for what is kind of possible for a human. And not mm-hmm. to say that no one can play better than than those guys, but it's clear that you know if you're doing better than they are consistently, then we should definitely do a further investigation. Because... Well, but I would almost argue, I mean, well, what what is it they're saying? I mean, Nakamura and Carlsen must have been flagged uh, at points. I mean, else it's almost insulting to their level, right? I mean, there must be some times where the computer systems say, okay, this guy is suspicious. What chess.com means is that, well, they have looked at it and concluded that, that okay, this guy is not cheating after inspection, right? Not that they have never been flagged, I would assume. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they, they've also been reported. Like, I, I'm 100% sure that, Hikaru has been reported by people, and I would assume probably someone has reported Magnus at some point. It would be weird not if someone not have thought that was funny, yeah. So yeah, but like they they pay attention to these things, and they also like analyze the difference between their over the board games and their online games. And my understanding from the statement is there's no no evidence to suggest there's a a huge discrepancy there. So yeah, Nakam. Um, 
Fabiano actually mentioned it again on his C Squared podcast with Christian. And Fabi, like, I don't agree when Fabi said that, you know, 50% of people could be cheating online. I think that was a, a massive overestimation. But I, I do think that when he talked about chess.com ratings, which is a lot of what Kramnik's analysis is based on, uh, when he said they don't really mean anything. And I kind of agree with that. Not that the ratings are totally meaningless, but I think there can be such a wide variety in, for example, just a 2,900 player. A 2,900 player on chess.com in Blitz could be a 2,700 free day player, or it could be a 2,500 free day player who is very, very fast. And yeah, they're just be my massively questions. different players. I mean, don't you... Th- yeah, but I mean, chess.com ratings are pretty good at measuring what they're supposed to, your ability to play this kind of uh, Blitz games, I assume, right? Yeah, but even Blitz games are very different. Mm-hmm. A Blitz game, 3 plus 0 increment compared to 3 plus 2 increment is a very different game of chess. And yeah, I, I think, see. you know, the like Hikaru and uh, Narodinsky are almost in a league of their own at 3 plus 0, mm-hmm. whereas at 3 plus 2, it's, it's a different game. Like... So I believe you. I have very little experience with that, but I have heard people say the same. They also say that, well, you know, one one zero and one one is two completely different uh, games, right? And uh, if they are rated similarly, of course, you can see things like like that. Well, of course, with this kind of ratings, if your idea is to set a record, I assume also you can start uh, picking your opponents to some extent, right? Yeah, and th- this has been Hikaru's main. I don't even want to say defense because I really don't think he has a huge amount to defend. But his one of his explanations is that he farms people, mm-hmm. and he's been very Are clear you that, that openly. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what he does on stream. He's he'll sit. He's he's quite happy. Like I I don't think it's a confession or anything. Like he he does it openly on stream. He'll play. You know. Maybe he plays an international master. They play two games, and he wins both games, but they're kind of close. Like, you know, maybe gets gets to the end game, he tricks him in the end game, something like that. And quite often he'll say, okay, this was too close. No more games with you, because this is a good yeah. player. And then he'll play another IM or lower-rated low grandmaster, and he'll crush in three games in a row. And, you know, 25 moves, mates the guy. And he's like, okay, we're playing 20 games of chess now. And, it like, almost, that's what he does. I mean... It almost sounds like poker, right? I mean, in chess, it feels, you know, a bit unethical pouncing on the weak guys. In poker, it's completely different. You want to find a soft table and you want to play there as much as possible. And you're basically saying that's what he's doing here. Well, he's just openly stating, okay, this guy I can beat a lot of times. Let's collect his... He seems overrated to me. Let's collect as much as possible. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, he likes to to get his rating as high as possible. That's, you know, it's good stream content. Mm -hmm. He likes to adopt people, but he likes to beat them, you know, 10 games in a row. That's also good stream content. You know, those videos always go up on YouTube. I adopted the Super Grandmaster or whatever. You know, beating someone 10 games in a row is always entertaining for the fans. And, like, this is what he does on stream. And, that, like, I think it's notable that it's only the streamers that really do this. Like, okay. Narodesky does the, kind of, the same thing. Mm-hmm. But the other top players that don't stream, like, why would they do it? Like... Because it's not, you know, it might be amusing to yourself, but like, yeah. Magnus is not doing this. Other races not doing this. Like, no, but that's also they are playing chess for 
Well, I understand for them having real competition is not so easy, but it has to be somewhat competitive in a way. The other guys are actually mainly creating content, is, is what you're saying. But also yeah. to understand the, the level of conspiracy theory. So we are debating that Nakamura is playing games that is filmed and broadcast live, right? Mm-hmm. So we are yeah, arguing he, that... He, as far as I know, he only plays on stream at this point. He, he said that it's been several years... I'm not sure if this is totally true because it seems wild to me but he says he's, he hasn't played off stream for several years he thinks one of the early champions jester events when he wasn't able to stream on chess 24 uh-huh. i think he said that was the last time he's actually played online off stream almost sounds like but winning though. okay i mean this is <laughs> i i do this for work it's certainly not pleasure in any way but uh yeah okay no but also i mean well there is quite some evidence of how he's doing it. If he's actually managing to manipulate this, uh, well, hats off. It's incredibly impressive. Uh, I, I really don't think it's the case. But it just, well, I'm basically giving away. I think it's close to physically impossible doing it, right? Also, things I mean, there, there are fast. always possibilities to do it, but it just seems to me like at the moment, I don't think we've identified a motive or Kramnik hasn't identified a motive because yeah. I think financially it's not. It would be an incredible risk for Nakamura to do this. And I think in terms of ego, like I feel like he's proved like he isn't overperforming to what he's done in like over the board situations. So if he really wants to do this for ego, like you need to be destroying everyone. Like at this point. Like that that's for his ego to be bigger, he would have to be beating like Magnus ten games in a row. Yeah, yeah. Which isn't happening because But I we we talked about this a little bit before the thing, before we started recording, and I feel like Kramnik must have at some point in his you know life in chess played random blitz games with a grandmaster who he has felt like he just totally outclasses and could maybe he hasn't actually sat there in an over the board setting and beat them ten games in a row, but you must he must have played people that he feels like okay I could just even though this guy's you know. A twenty-six, maybe even a twenty-seven hundred grandmaster. He must feel like he. I mean, Kramnik does in interviews seem like he thinks he can beat people ten games in a row anyway. But like, mm-hmm. he must have had this experience. Sure, I, I'm sure. I mean, I've had the experience on on both sides actually. So let me just mention the one where I had where I was the the, the victim, right? I mean, I think at some point. Uh, the Kashimov Memorial had finished in Azerbaijan, and uh, well, there is some kind of closing banquet that ends with people playing blitz and drinking and things like this. And I think one of the Aseri players, I'm not sure who it was of them actually, but he was really crushing Bakro, who was sort of drunk and uh, I mean, with a heavy score. And Bakro said, Okay, Peter, I need some confidence back, let's play. So I was playing Bakro, who was just visibly horribly drunk, and he was beating me easily. So I'm just saying that there is many layers. I mean, there was someone who could trash Bakro, who could then trash me, who was still a decent 2-6 player at that point. And while in regular chess, you can compensate for being slow or being... Well, at that point, I was I was older. I was a good Blitz player when I was young. But when you come to Blitz, suddenly the levels become much, much clearer in a way. And of course, there will be someone you completely own. Also, sometimes you will own one someone completely that day and next day it might actually be different uh, in a way and i agree with you kramnik must definitely have uh, seen that uh, for i don't know if you've seen it from both sides at some point i even had a 
well, Magnus and Kramnik was meeting before World uh, Rapid and Blitz and playing some uh, Blitz games there. But I think Kramnik did decently well. So maybe Kramnik has never been completely destroyed by someone. But of course, he must have destroyed somebody himself. So I, I get your point. It's kind of weird that he doesn't find it uh, possible. Yeah. And, and also, like, the other thing is, like, a lot of these people that Hikaru is playing, they're not actually Grandmasters, no. which to me just makes, like, International Masters and Friday Masters, they're they're you know good chess players, but I I will never be surprised that any international master losing twenty games to Hugar. Like it doesn't if it shock me in any way. Twenty four hundred against twenty eight hundred. I mean, even the rating system is saying now we are off the, the charge of uh, well, we basically just assign it zero point zero eight as an expected score in classical chess, right? Mm-hmm. And while in classical chess, you have much more time. Of course, if you start playing three two or three zero. I mean, why would they stand a chance? I I mean, of course, I mean, no. Well, we even debated on the, you know, the previous version of the Chicken Chess podcast. If I played 100 bullet games with Nakamura, I mean, my, my two former colleagues was basically betting on I would get literally zero points. And uh, it cannot be ruled out. It's actually that difficult because you have to do things so quickly and uh, it might easily go wrong. I don't know, but uh, you seem to think the same, right? I, I think it's possible. I think, like, I think realistically, you probably get a couple of points. But like, Maybe. even then, you know. Yeah, but it also depends a on lot of how, how motivated is your opponent in a way. Is he willing to flag me one hundred percent all the time? I mean, in a normal match like this, okay, you will say this is a draw. But if Nakamura thinks, okay, yeah, I'm just gonna win on time in this ending uh, because I can make four hundred moves, right? I mean, yeah, I mean that that's one of the other things is that like. Often we'll see, you know, speed chess championship, for example, where it's like kind of the most common format for the top players to play long matches against each other. And for a start, there's an increment, so it's hard to flag people. But secondly, the goal of those matches is to win the match. So yeah. once you're up like two or three points, you're quite happy to make a draw every game. There's no reason not to make a draw every game because you're getting close. You, the goal is to win the match. It's not to destroy your opponent 10 times in a row. Mm-hmm. And when Hikaru's making content, his goal is to yeah. beat people 10, 20, 30 times in a row. Like, and this is what he does. So yeah, I was I'm kind of surprised that Kramnik is is so shocked by these results. Mm-hmm. He does keep hinting that he has more information that he's gonna drop, but at the moment he hasn't really, you know, shown us the smoking gun. Um, no. but we'll see. What is your general impression? Is there anybody on Kramnik's side? I think there are definitely people who have been suspicious of Nakamura over okay. the past couple of years um, because, I mean, I find I just find it very difficult to kind of get on board with. I mean, I think like Nakamura three or four years ago was maybe not exactly done as a top player, but he was nowhere oh, near we, his peak. We really thought so. I mean, no, no yeah, disrespect. Okay, but he was still like 27-40 or something. Like, yeah, it's yeah. Not, but... I mean, he wasn't 28-10 or whatever he peaked at, but like, yeah, he was. It was clear he was on the decline. Yeah, I know. And... Now I'm gonna. Well, I think at some point Magnus asked me, "Okay, today, ten years ago, who was number two on the feeder list?" And I started coming with guesses, and at some point he said, "No, it was Nakamura." People okay. get forget how good he is. Also, I mean, or he was at that point, and mm-hmm. also, I think in the sort of elite, he's never really been. Well, he thought number two was too high, and then he found his norm, normal level, but. Uh, 
seems like we underestimated him, right? He just seems like a massive entity at the moment. But it is strange for me how he's managed to improve like this. But I think maybe also chess has moved in his direction, right? He was always weak in opening preparation, but I started to matter much less. I mean, it's like suddenly that the skills Nakamura have has become much more in demand in the game, and I think that helps him a lot. Yeah, but also like he spends more time in front of a chessboard than yeah. probably any top player. Like, I mean, no, it's a good. I'm point. sure other people are spending you know eight hours a day in front of a chessboard, but Hikaru absolutely is for eight hours a day. You know, three years in a row, like. Yeah. You could argue how useful that is, but I think a lot of the the chess work he does is, you know, yeah. does seem to work. And the other side of it is, I think he's gained massive amounts of confidence that he'd. I think my impression, and you know, <laughs> I've never like really played him, um, but my impression is that when he was young, he was super confident. You know, one of the most confident yeah. players in the world, probably. And then at a certain point, there. There is a thing that seems to happen with people who get very good very young. And mm-hmm. at a certain point, they start to hit a wall where people are happy to make draws against them or not play for a win, and they find it very difficult to actually win games. And I think this is kind of a similar pattern that's happened with Grijabov, where mm-hmm. he's like, when he was he was very good very young, and then he, as he got older, he got more and more solid, more and more just kind of accepting that he couldn't beat people, especially with black. And I think a similar thing happened to Hikaru. And it, like for a confident player, I think that's very damaging mm-hmm. because you you kind of lose belief in yourself because everyone is just able to make a draw at will, basically. And then with the pandemic and the rise of streaming, that kind of, at least in the online world, it put Hikaru basically as the most famous chess player in the world for you know a couple of years. I think that's given a massive boost to his confidence. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of re—it's made him reevaluate like how he feels about chess, and that he's kind of—he's got to the you know being the best in the world in this online area, whether it's just streaming, whether it's number of viewers, whatever. Like he's the best in the world at something, and I think it's something that's like changed in his brain. It's like okay, I can be the best in the world. At other, well, that's also changed his uh, financial comfort, right? I mean, he doesn't have to play chess to earn money. Yeah, and I think he's also talked about that, that he finds it much less stressful, which I guess is kind of surprising because he was always, you know, a pretty decent earner. I wouldn't imagine he was really playing for his rent money exactly, but, you know. I guess there are still different flaws, right? No, for me, it was impressive that in Norway chess, you know, we would come there before the round and get Magnus to the game. But you could see Nakamura actually doing stream just before the games, right? <laughs> and that is quite... Uh, well, it gives away your priorities, right? I mean, he's not trying to sit there and remember his preparation. He's actually doing content, and that's number one. And he's able mm-hmm. to combine it, and that is impressive. It's interesting what you mentioned, that he actually spends eight hours a day of chess. I mean, it's a typical debate. Is it worse playing Blitz than uh, not playing? And I really don't think so. Actually, it's a good point. He's just so much in touch with chess that it could actually, I mean, have, well, maybe he would do even better if he worked eight hours a day on chess, but he would get bored, so he couldn't. But being that much in touch with chess, being that much honing some kind of chess skill and might it not might not be one-to-one is still quite something, uh, I would say. So that is, uh, oh, that is quite yeah. an, uh, I impressive. Mean, I think it's, it's probably hard to replicate, but I think, you know, the... It's very hard to argue with his results. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, if you're Kramnicker, you can question his online results. That's fine, like whatever. But like, I don't think we can question his over the board results, and they've also been 
incredibly impressive. So, yeah, it strikes me as anything that he's become more realistic. I think he understands fully what he's good at and what he's not. When you see his winning Norway chess, he he just forces a draw with White against uh, Magnus without any kind of shame in in ten minutes. And he understands, okay, you know, tomorrow we will be talking about something else. This is moderately embarrassing now, but that's how I'm going to do it. And I don't care because I'm not going to be the favorite if I try to to beat Magnus. And why should I spend four hours on this? I mean, well, he just strikes me as incredibly realistic. And uh, I mean, knowing yourself is a huge uh, edge, obviously. Yeah. And then he also like qualified for the candidates through the Grand Swiss, which uh, that for me, that one wasn't a huge surprise because I feel like the Grand Swiss is a very good format for him. I think yeah. he's had such good results in Gibraltar, winning it like three times. I think in a big open, he's always kind of one of the favorites. But uh, the only thing I would disagree with is that you talk about his uh, good format. I mean, is there anything we haven't seen him do? I mean, he won. Okay, Norway chess, of course, also included uh, players, but candidates he did pretty well as. I mean, maybe we just have to accept he's a pretty good chess player, right? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty clear at this yeah. point that like. Yeah, I well, mean, the, 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 for me, again, we talked about this last week, it's, it's just very hard for me to believe that he's increased his level over the board at the same pace he's increased his level online. Yeah. And then he somehow found two different ways to cheat. Because like that's what the accusation has to be as well. He has to be cheating over the board if he's cheating online. Uh-huh. Otherwise, it just makes no sense. Like, <laughs> Yeah. He, he has to have elaborate methods to, to cheat in both both uh, yeah. arenas and it's okay. Well, also, I mean, this idea of cheating online, I mean, you basically have to get the information and react within a split second. I'm not sure the brain is capable of doing that, to be honest. I mean, okay, I'll I'm... agree with the accusations and say Nakamura's brain is one of the fastest, so if anyone can cheat, he can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please I don't, don't know. Me <laughs> it almost it strikes me that it's easier for him just to become better than chess and to get this thing going. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is kind of incredible technology that's somewhat wasted on title Tuesdays. Yeah, like, yeah, I feel like we that, could be that is, that is a, know, yeah, taking they're, over they're different testing na- it out before they're using it somewhere that really matters. Yeah, yeah. No, we, no, I mean, no. we could be taking over nation states with this. Guy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know, but uh, no. It, Anyway, should we move on to something else, but in the same ballpark, yeah? Yeah, let's go. So, I mean, it almost felt like Neiman was missing the attention, but uh, he suddenly got uh, back into the debate, right? He had an amazing... I mean, well, it's not like his chess career had been that bad, but he had sort of ordinary results for a while, but then suddenly was an out-of-this-world result, right? Uh, he made eight out of nine in Croatia? He did make eight out of nine, but was it... So out of this world. Again, rating performance. No, I mean, it's not like it's not something we haven't seen before, perhaps. And the rating performance was good. But of course, when you get up to these uh, almost 90% scores, um, the rating performance starts to accelerate, uh, I think, and, and such. But uh, it was a yeah. good result. But of course, you could argue he played an event with ordinary 2 6 players, not um, the sharpest professionals out there, right? Yeah, so he won the Tournament of Peace, uh-huh. which, ironically, in Croatia. And he, I don't think he was the top seed. I think he was the second top seed. The top seed was Korobov, and then the two other guys around his rating were Ivanchuk and Cheparinov. Uh, Cheparinov also had a very 
very poor tournament for his standards. He finished on minus four. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that is weird, actually. You know, yeah. he beat like it, it. Eight out of nine is obviously an exceptional result, but he beat one player who was higher rated than him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at the individual game, she would say, yeah, he has a good chance of winning this one and that one and, and so on and so forth, right? So, no, no, I understand. We are not talking about, well, if Niemann made a 29.50 performance in Weigense, it would be, we would raise more eyebrows, right? Now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But there was, well, I mean, there was some insinuations. I think players are being very careful about what they say so they don't get sued for $100 million. Very careful is too strong, but yeah. But the organizers were maybe less careful. And I, I'm not sure if there was a translation error because it seemed like such an insane thing for an organizer to say that there were some indications that he cheated, which yep. was a, I, like, I I saw it was reported in a Norwegian newspaper. I don't know if it was re- report if it was maybe quoted from Croatian into Norwegian and then to English, and if this is like... You're saying Google Translate uh, had a bad day and then it came out like this, yeah. Possibly, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. No, I also read it like that, uh, you know, we have some indications, but no evidence, and we don't know if someone will make a complaint or something like this. And I thought, okay, what does this mean? (laughs) uh... Yeah, I thought that was a very bold statement uh, for an organizer to make, not just the... um... One of the players who, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to justify the players accusing people of cheating, but after you lose a game, people are mad, and it, this thing, these things do happen a lot. You know, we have seen some prominent players lose games and yeah. not take it particularly well. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's he's playing in London at the moment. He's on plus one. Yeah, it's a completely average and normal result. I mean, nothing good, nothing bad. I mean, he won. One game where he he bluffed quite successfully and then drew the rest. Yeah, so it's it's very difficult to say. I mean, I don't know. Did you look at the games from the tournament? I looked at the games. Uh, I wrote about it in my chess column, I think. And uh, there were some nice games, but nothing, I mean, nothing out of this world, uh, I would say. It's not something where you say, okay, this is just amazing. He's playing good chess, and that's more or less it. Um, And... uh, now, again, it's not something I will jump out and say this is uh, insanely good. But, well, I, I keep referring to that uh, when the Olympiad were, I mean, Fella was uh, convicted uh, of uh, of cheating. I mean, I, I also thought, no, there's nothing suspicious there. So I have basically given up detecting these things. Um, but, again, it's, um, yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's, it's weird. But, well, I think generally the chess world is in a pretty bad state, right? I mean... So many accusations. Uh, basically, people feel it's impossible to to prove anything, or it could be, of course, because nothing bad is happening and such. But well, th- there seems to be a lot of people who are suspicious, right? And, uh... There's definitely a lot of people that are suspicious, and I I think the the main thing that concerned me is that there was apparently very little anti cheating, yeah, restrictions. There was a delay on the broadcast, but. I think one of the players said people weren't even being scanned for devices with a metal detector, uh, which to me is pretty standard practice, I think. It but why are they not... I mean, it is some kind of a financial concern, isn't it? I the, mean, how do you get this kind of equipment? I, the metal detectors, at least, are pretty cheap. And that event was actually organized by the European Chess Union. 
So they they have these things. So I mean, obviously, it's not a massive thing like that. Okay. No, no, they you can buy them on Amazon. Like they're not, <laughs> and okay. I, I think they're like players. The organizers do have an obligation to mm-hmm. you know spend fifty euros on Amazon. Okay, we are talking fifty. I thought it's like. Equipment like in the airport, uh, several thousand euros and stuff like this. No, we're talking. No, small... I mean th- these hand scanners, the metal detectors, they're pretty cheap. I mean, uh, I think in St. Louis they had some incredibly yeah. sophisticated device that they they bought after the the previous uh, accusations. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are kind of rare, and I think I feel like a metal detector at least is the minimum. Yeah, and it should. It should just be standard practice to put everyone's mind at rest, yeah. um, and it, it it does solve a lot of the kind of basic cheating cases where people just have a mobile phone. Mm-hmm. Like these are kind of the, that's kind of the standard thing that happens in open tournaments and stuff. And I feel like you know metal detectors at least pick that up, and they can you know we can at least get rid of that type of cheating. You know, but, we can get rid of a few of the easier types. And if, you know, someone has these incredible spy technology with these undetectable yeah. things in their stomach or well, other body saying, areas. At least let's make it an arms race where you actually have to outsmart something. If it's just as, I mean, if all you need is having a device in your pocket and no one checks you, it's uh, it's too easy in a way. Yeah, I mean, and at that, those kind of tournaments at that level where there's, I don't, yeah. I'm not sure what the prize money was there, but you know, no. And I, no. I think like, I don't want to say it's not that people should have these cheating restrictions because Hans is there, but they should have them to actually protect Hans from accusations. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very easy to accuse thing people of having the opportunity when the opportunity is there. Whereas in London, my impression is that there's very little opportunities to do things in this. Okay, right. he's also playing a lot worse now. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you can fit... Uh, I mean, any kind of conspiracy te- theory can, of course, fit the narrative to anything, right? That's more or less uh, a given. But Yeah, but I mean, it, it is about protecting the players, and it's about protecting them from cheating. It's about protecting them from the fear of cheating. These are yeah, two yeah. different issues that need to be treated like super seriously. I think we are both on the side where we think cheating is happening less than people think but I think we also agree that I mean, well the worst thing is the fear and the uh, unknown at the moment, right? All this paranoia going around, I mean well both, uh, I mean Kramnik is insisting that he didn't accuse uh, Nakamura of cheating, the organizers are not willing to make a statement whether we saying we think this guy cheated, right? I mean, you can throw out insinuations, but uh, it becomes weird, right? Uh, and it's a bad yeah. situation, and you're saying it's bad for the players, it's bad for everybody. Yeah, and I think like cheating definitely is happening. Like, there's no, mm-hmm. there's no question about that. But I do think the the fear of cheating is it's not that it's more common because I mean it probably is, I guess. But the problem is it, it is active actively more damaging because it's basically like ruining Kramnik's reputation like I think Kramnik's reputation is probably taking a bigger hit than than almost anyone's and I think it's ruined some players ability to play chess against certain players because I think some players have made accusations online against someone and then when it comes to playing them over the board their level of play Mm -hmm. massively drops because they 
think this guy is cheating, and it, it's very difficult to play when you think you're. Yeah, that, that there is several uh, cases of right. I mean, a lot. Of, Magnus said that basically he freaked out because somehow these rules were not implemented in Qatar, right? And he said, "Well, there was." I think he was trying to say that okay, my opponent uh, is not cheating, but I, I I just couldn't control my mind in a way, right? And, uh... Yeah, and that, like that's that's an actual real harm that's happening to players. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah, yeah. the the harm that's caused by people cheating is yeah. basically only financial, and it, I don't think it's a massive amount of money. Whereas, like you know. People are kind of getting, but I mean, the solution is the same for both of them. Like, we need to be much stricter, and there needs to be. I think at some point, FIDE needs to step in and say, like, if the regulations are not followed that we give out, then like the tournament doesn't get raided. But also, well, the measures cannot completely poison the environment. I know you have you are a fan of uh, fifteen minutes delay. For me, it's already somewhat poisonous for for online uh, things. I mean, it can, uh, you know, in a world championship match, if this actually finishes 15 minutes before we get the result, there'll always be somebody from the audience tweeting, okay, this guy is the new world champion. And then, well, you know, you get spoiled from the most uh, action. And, well, if you start upping these measures, it also becomes very poisonous towards the players to some extent. Yeah, I mean, there's always... There's always a trade-off. I mean, I think for World Championship matches, I would just have an embargo on anyone who's in an audience. They, they should have to give up their phone. The phone should be waiting outside, and they should wait to get the phone back. Minimum 15 minutes. Like You, well, go, outside, Champ- you go outside, yeah. you claim your phone, then you wait 15 minutes to get right. it back. Probably World Championship matches. You are right also that you will have spectator screens where you can see in and not out and things like this. I mean, maybe World Championship matches, there's so few players and so much resources that you can solve that. But open tournaments, is going to be tough. Yeah, but I mean, open tournaments don't have the in-person spectator issue as well. Like, I don't... Well, I mean, they... if anything, an open tournament in-person spectators are a bit of a problem that organizers yeah. would rather not deal with. So, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no. Some events they don't even. I think uh, this uh, some event in what's it? I forgot. Maybe the we are masters, right? They simply just didn't allow any spectators. Maybe spectac- I, I think that's correct. Like, because I, I think it's very difficult to stop some. I mean, you can also just have members of the public wandering in and talking, which uh-huh. is like because yeah. if they don't know that like what a chess tournament really is, like that can easily happen. It's just yeah, it's not necessary. Yeah, I have wondered why it uh, doesn't happen more, to be honest. I mean, in the Bundesliga, I mean, now, of course, I'm, uh, well, very supportive of, of Wolo Kittin from, from the political context. But well, we had an incident in, in in our youth in Bundesliga where he was in time pressure and he was winning against me, but he didn't know what to do. And suddenly someone said something in a different language and he made uh, his move. And, well, I made a protest and it turned out it was his dad who says, make two more moves. And the only thing that happened was that his dad was later banned from watching the next uh, match. And the argument was basically, well, he didn't do anything wrong. And there is some truth in that. But, um, well, even in a World Championship match, let's say one of the seconds goes in and shout, okay, you idiot, you, you should play Bishop F6 now. I don't know how they will punish the player. Yeah, I mean, that that's difficult as well. Like, I mean, should you punish the player? Can you... 
Can I don't you know. tell the opponent if the player gets punished? Can you give the opponent advice? Like I don't. Know. Yeah, these like, are weird things. It just completely ruins the game, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. no good solution. Is the problem? Uh, and um, no, it happened. Luckily, it happens rarely. I think there is a Russian anecdote that uh, I think he's dead now. The team ca- captain, so let's not mention it. But he said basically he was bribing a young kid to pass by the window and shout, you know, Bishop F five, right? And uh, well, <laughs> what do you do about that? And uh, yeah, no, I think it's mainly anecdotal uh, stories. But of course, we are vulnerable. And generally, I think the beauty of chess has also been that it's such an easy game to uh, be an arbiter. There's not that many incidents. The players have high ethics. There's very little cheating going on. And suddenly, we are not there anymore. Well, in other sports, we have very strong characters as arbiters. That's generally not the case in, in chess, right? It's, it's generally quite easy to, 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 to be the arbiter. But that, unfortunately, has changed. And we're not really used to that and we can't really handle it yeah no i agree and it's yeah it's a problem it's not going away anytime soon but it's yeah i'm still of the of the opinion that it's not as bad as some people think it is Mm -hmm. but it that that probably there's the people who think it's really bad this is a big symptom of of cheating online and it's like i am I have actually spoken to people about this, and I think like solving it from that point of view, rather because I mean we can try to catch cheaters and we can dedicate all of our resources into catching cheaters, but we can also try to protect players and dedicate all of our resources into protecting players. And I kind of I'm leaning towards that being the appropriate response to like because it, there's obviously a lot of overlap between the two methods. But mm-hmm. I think starting from the point of view that we need to like protect players from uh, cheating and also accusations of cheating is maybe the way forward. So you're basically saying you want to help players to get a cleaner reputation. You want to have measures that no one will accuse them of uh, cheating. Yeah. And so that they have no doubt that their opponent is cheating yeah, and then no, they can that, just that, play their best chess. Because like, mm-hmm. that's what we all want. We want the top players to focus on chess and do what they're good at. I don't know if they have managed in cycling, but I mean, at some point, everybody thought everybody was doped. My feeling is now we are in a stage where we actually don't believe that they're doped. Or yeah, they're hiding stopped. it a lot better now. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have no clue. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. No, no, but it's basically, well, just trying to compare that. Now, at least if you look at newspaper reports, they're not stating basically, okay, everybody is doped. Who cares? Cares, yeah, right? I mean, they actually managed, true, so. they managed to move forward from that. And you want like something similar to happen in chess, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think you know, keeping things as open as possible and mm-hmm. okay. you know, making sure that you just remove as many opportunities to cheat as possible. And mm-hmm. yeah. Well, anyway, is. as you said, we will talk about cheating again later. Should we jump to something else? Is there something you would like to talk about? We could we could talk about the rating system. That's one okay. of my favorite topics in chess, the rating system. Okay. I really enjoy. There ratings. is some new rules. I mean, I'm this kind of guy. Does it affect me? No. Okay. I don't care. And you're also too high rated to be affected, right? Yeah, I'm slightly too high rated. Yeah, yeah. So basically <laughs> it just your, make the cut. Your competitors get closer. I think basically if you're below two thousand, you will get some extra points, right? Yeah. It's so if you're rated 1,000, you go to 1,400. They're raising uh-huh. the floor for the bottom yeah. ratings. So if you're under 1,400, sorry, you go above yeah. 1,400. 
And then as you get closer to 2,000, you get fewer points. So it's, players around 1,500 will get around 200 points. Well, I thought it was basically up till 2,000. Um, what is it? Well, as you said, if you have 1,000, you have 1,000 points up to uh, 2,000. And you get 0 0.4 per, po per point you're lacking. So you get 400 extra. So if yeah. you are, ah, well, 1,200, That's probably you get free. 320 points extra, something like that. Uh, but I'm not going to do live maths here. I'm too old for that. But um, why are they doing it? They believe that ratings have been deflated. Okay. I haven't really checked the maths on this. I mean, I only know kind of anecdotal stuff where people have... I mean, everybody thinks they're underrated anyway, so it, it's kind of... <laughs> not me, but okay. <laughs> It's kind of difficult with anecdotes with these things, but yeah, there seems to be some evidence of rating deflation in the system. Okay. I think it's most visible at the top rather than at the bottom. It's been my impression because, you know, we, well, I mean, we have two 2,800 players now, but, you know, we, for the past couple of years now, we've had Magnus above 2,800 and then there's been one guy. Like, but you don't think that reflects strength? Are they getting weaker? Relatively. I mean, uh, I mean, Karana was stronger some years ago. I'm, it could be reflected that, okay, we have these guys. And, well, I mean, I thought it actually reflected the level they played at quite well. But um, I haven't thought it through. Well, I want to pop in another thought. I mean, but like in financial theory, they have this kind of trickle-down effect, right? You give you know money to people at the top, and mm -hmm. it sort of feeds the whole system, right? I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying this theory exists. Will the opposite not happen here? If you push in a lot of rating in the bottom, is it not going to flow to the top and uh, affect things there? Or is not how it works? God, I hope so. You hope so? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I imagine it. Like, I don't understand. I mean, I'm not a maths guy for sure. But, like, no. I don't understand why it wouldn't. Because, you know, the people who get the bonuses are the people who I'll play next year. Yeah, yeah. I'll hopefully perform at this if i perform at the same level then my rating will go up and uh -huh. then the guys above me their ratings will go up when they beat me and so on and so on so it seems to be by the end of next year yeah a lot of these rating points should have transferred up to the it top will take level. a while and not, i mean it's not like magnus will uh, be 3200 because of that exactly but uh yeah, yeah. No. no but he might be close to 2900 by the end of next year like Depending on how many games I, I doubt plays. it's that quickly, but let's see. Well, also, before we diss the system too much, I mean, it's Jeff Sonas, at least their advertising has been uh, involved. Jeff Sonas is sort of seen as the rating guru in the chess world. He did this uh, chess metric sites uh, many years ago when he was sort of uh, trying to make historical ratings. I think he has been involved in experiments with the rating system at some point. I think this site called Kaggle, which made sort of... Um, programming competitions had a competition on who can make the best rating system to predict results based on some kind of data sets and i think uh, i think it, generally he's considered a leading expert and authority on the subject so while yeah. i'm very willing to disfeed it for everything i mean here they actually brought in some some uh, serious uh, guys so it is at least speaking for myself, it's possible I haven't understood it uh, probably. I, I, well, you'll have to make your own conclusions. Uh, yeah, but we'll and the, see. The, the, other, the other change they're making is they're bringing back the 400-point rule uh -huh. so that if you play someone over 400 points below you, you still get 0 0.8 rating points. Okay. And it's 
they changed it so you could only get it once per tournament. So uh-huh. now it's they've removed that. So, and to me, that one makes a lot of sense to bring that back because I feel like you know if a twenty six hundred beats a twenty two hundred, I think to get zero points for that is very strange. Yeah, then at least you should, you could make the rule that okay, four hundred points, and we just don't rate it. But I mean, if you only have risk and no reward, it becomes uh, unreasonable, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Also, well, also not unreasonable. Also, it doesn't work for the system, right? Because you expect the score is not a hundred. So um, yeah, and it, also like the, these are very standard games in open tournaments. Like, but I thought is... the problem was at some point that there was someone who was exploiting the system. I mean, you would have some very strong player playing a very uh, weak uh, opponent like this. I think at some point in in Team Vichy, we were joking that I should uh, play a match with my twelve year old nephew, and if I played uh, fifty games. I would actually make uh, the World Cup by rating or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they were trying to avoid these kind of things. I think there was a few players who would, uh, you know, gain some ELO points like that. But um, it seems like it's back, you say, yeah? Yeah, I I think there are ways to deal with those very isolated cases. And and also, like, I mean, personally, I've played in, in leagues where... There'll be maybe one twenty three hundred guy, and the rest of us are like you know around two thousand. Uh-huh. And year after year, he plays for his team, and he wins you know nine nine wins in a draw or ten wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just a guy who plays for his chess club. You know, like he he enjoys it as a social activity. I I don't think it's that uncommon for you know like a title player to play in his local league. You know, ten games a year or so, just as a social thing. And I don't well, think they should necessarily be punished, even though their rating is gradually going up and up and up every year. I would also assume that we have data on these kind of things where we can check, okay, what what is actually the percentual score of someone with that rating against someone on that level uh, and so on, and could sort of see if it's a major problem. But yeah. the way we describe it, it's not like they have completely changed the rating system. We are still talking rather small details. Well, I mean, 200 points is quite a yeah, lot, I think. fair enough. But we'll see if that affects the whole ring. Yeah, sorry again. I, I'm a, I understand uh, I have an elitist view. Uh, it's not something that's going to influence massively on the top 100. Or, well, we don't know yet. Yeah, yeah, we don't, we don't know. I mean, I assume smarter people have, have yeah, kind of yeah. figured these things out. Yeah. Um, well, but yeah, well, I mean, my, my only kind of real experience with it was when at the last Olympiad, when I was a uh, coach for the Jersey women's team, uh-huh. we did play some games against very low-rated players who were definitely hugely underrated. I My feeling at the time was that they just hadn't had enough feeder-rated games rather than it being a rating system problem. You know, it was it was generally teams from Africa mm-hmm. uh, that didn't have a ton of games over the board, that, but then you look online and they're like 2,200. And well, that like, could easily be uh, regional problems, right? I mean, yeah, that, that was my feeling at the time, yeah. that it was just a regional thing. But yeah, I think those, their ratings would be much closer now to their real strength, so it yeah, solves it's like, part of the problem at least. Well, it's like playing uh, Indian juniors or playing the Chinese championship. I mean, uh, well, tough luck. It's not going to help your rating. I yeah. mean, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. What else do we have? Well, the candidates tournament qualification is kind of an interesting situation. I don't know why I follow it because A, Magnus is uh, qualified, B, he's not going to play. 
But uh, I mean, it's are we one hundred percent sure he's not going to play? Because I think he's been given a lot of mixed messages about this. I don't think okay. he's been very clear about whether he wants to play or not. So I thought he said that at least with this current system, uh, no. And it's like, didn't he say ninety nine percent at some point? Okay, but what does he really mean by that? That he's not going to play. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my impression. So you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> well. Okay, there is always a chance that, uh, I mean, but no, I don't think so. I mean, I mean, I think it's a smaller chance that then he would actually have defended his title the last time. So, I mean, so I think, no, yeah. I, cannot, I cannot imagine it. I mean, if you, I mean, uh, the candidates tournament is rather soon. I haven't spent one second considering how should Magnus prepare for this event. Okay, but what if... Maybe I'm, I, I can be sacked for giving out such details, but... Uh, but what if yeah. he goes to Toronto now for the Champions Chester final? Uh -huh. By the time this has been published, he'll be there, I should assume. He really, really falls in love with the city of Toronto. And he thinks, okay, I've got nothing else going on in April. I could get three weeks there for free. Free day will pay for my flights, hotel. Maybe I'll win some prize money. He treats it like a vacation and then wins the tournament. You don't think that A, he can pay for himself if we want to interrupt to B, I mean, you know. I, no, I'm sure he has the money, but like yeah. maybe he just, you know, he's a, a sensible yeah. guy. He's And he would rather play than he want to be a commentator or something like this. Yeah, I don't know. Now, nah, commentators more work. Like you yeah. don't get a rest day when you want a quick draw or. Yeah, I promise you, I have tried both. Uh, I mean, the stress level is less, uh, at least. Or maybe I'm just a, a bad commentator, but that's how I recall it. But, uh, yeah, but you're there till the end of every day, so, you know. I, I understand. <laughs> and uh, trust me, I was trying not to be as a player. But even so, I mean, uh, the feelings before and after the games are nicer in many ways. I mean, you're not, yeah. uh, your body is not aching with stress and uh, things like this. But, well, we're distracting the subject. No, I don't think there's a chance, but also, okay, now you, I got trick, tricked into a topic that's not really my favorite, but, uh, well, you're, you're <laughs> no. a tricky guy, but I cannot imagine it. I mean, also, well, one can Google any kind of quote from him. I think, uh, basically, he's not going to play. So, I mean, it was also, it would be very weird to get out of it and then try to get back in immediately, but... Um, yeah. Okay, but the the main story is the, the two spots that are left yeah. for the candidates. So, we have a FIDE circuit spot. Uh, which Anish Giri is in the lead for currently, and we have a rating spot which Wesley so is. So the 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 circuit spot right now. There's a tournament happening in London, right? And Gukesh mm -hmm. needs to win it to overtake uh, uh, Anish, but he needs to win it without a playoff. Is that understood correctly? Yeah, he needs clear first. And but there is a playoff in the tournament, but that's not enough because then they split some of the points. Or. Yeah, I actually don't know. I don't know no, how that I works. Thought... That doesn't make sense to me, but yeah. No, but maybe there is a rule that if it's a playoff or a tiebreak, then half of the points is split and the other half is uh, decided by tiebreak. So maybe he needs to win it outright. Gukes has been doing incredibly well, but he blundered in a winning position against uh, Jules Moussin from France. Mm -hmm. So now Adams is leading half a point ahead of a bunch of players. And uh, basically, well, in four rounds, Gukesh needs to make one point more than Adams and half a point more than the rest. Not easy, not impossible. No, he's got four games left. He plays Luke McShane today. Then he does play the lowest-rated player in the field, Shreyas Royal, who is uh -huh. an international master. 
but he has black, so that makes it slightly trickier. You can argue he... both ways that that's the chance to yeah. win more games. I mean, but then he plays Tabata by with white, and he finishes against Hans Niemann. What a that could be a thriller, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I mean, that's possible, but also because of these chances, at least we assume so, and. Uh, Again, we are the leading podcast. I think that uh, wasn't this news story broken in uh, in our episode with uh, Elyanov that he's playing this tournament, right? I think so, no? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't so, know if anyone so. actually noticed. but No, no, but that's just <laughs> it's a lesson learned for them. But we actually yeah. broke that he's playing a tournament, and this means Gukes has another tournament he could win at the end of the year, right? Yeah, he's got one, at least one more tournament, because I yeah. don't know if there'll be... There might be another one. But what is the minimum? It has to be eight players. How many yeah. days can it be done in? I think he still has time for one game a day after this one. Okay, okay. Yeah, who knows? But I'm even then, curious. I think I don't see why you would need. You could play two FIDE rated games in a day. A yeah, lot so of you the FIDE circuit games. You can do it in uh, basically four days, yeah. So I was also wondering let's say Gukish actually wins outright in uh, in London. I mean, then suddenly this tournament means someone else can catch him. Maybe they will cancel it then. I sort of, uh, I mean, that will be. No, I don't think anyone can. I'm not from that field, no. No, so I thought it was interesting actually because they they have invited players with something to gain from the tournament, which I think is quite good of them because uh-huh. I think is you know it's clear the tournament is there for Gukesh. Like that's yeah. why they've put this tournament together. Um, but they have also invited Dominguez and Parham Maxudli who uh-huh. are both in the running for the rating spot. Mm-hmm. So, like, and, you know, you can, invite, you can create a tournament where no one has anything to gain yeah. except Gukesh. I mean... Uh, whereas yeah. that's not going to be the case. You know, Dominguez will be highly motivated to... How many players is in the event? Eight. They have a problem. Imagine if Dominguez wins games one, and then he falls ill. Then Dominguez it's... qualifies for candidates by rating... And Gukesh cannot win it because there's only seven players left. Yeah, well, it wasn't clear. So Dominguez needs to play a FIDE circuit tournament uh-huh. to be eligible for the rating spot. But it's not clear by the regulations what it means to play a FIDE circuit tournament. Does that mean you need to play one game? Does that mean you need yeah. to play more than 50% of the games? Or do you have to complete the whole thing? Like, it's really not clear what is no. required. Also, well, as we saw during St. Louis, or shortly afterwards, they suddenly feed the issue, the so-called clarification of the rules, right? Which, at least according to some, was changing the rules, if I really understood it correctly. Yeah, I, I don't think that was a good idea to clarify rules like that <laughs> at such a late stage. No. Because I don't think there's any harm of Dominguez playing another tournament in the US, like, that was also my impression. And the point is that, well, to win the feeder circuit, you need to play something abroad. But to qualify for winning the racing spot, it's not that specified in a way. But anyway, it seems like Dominguez is not taking any chances. So he's actually going to play in, uh, in yeah. the years. And also, Dominguez did play in the World Cup. Yeah. So like, it's not like okay, all of okay. his tournaments. Like, I can understand the, the logic of, you know, you don't want someone to just organize a bunch of tournaments in their backyard. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like he did play the World Cup. That's where a lot of his points came from. Like, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. And uh, Wesley So, he's just going to sit quietly and uh, let Dominguez overtake him, I guess. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's very strange. And also, Ali Reza only needs, I think, eight points. Yeah. Or 
I, I think so. Something like eight points. Yeah, maybe I don't know if seven would actually be enough for a tie and then qualify. But yeah, it also yeah. seems weird if he's not going to give it some effort. But um, yeah, he needs uh, only seven points can, to catch West. And he can just play. I mean, anything basically. Well, also Giri, for instance. Let's imagine Giri plays Bundesliga and wins two games. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be enough for him, but. I mean, well, there's no, they've missed the Bundesliga games. Okay, so then you play Dutch League or French League or whatever exists, um, or you play a weekend tournament or something like that. I don't know, but um, they can basically mm-hmm. arrange things up till the end. Can you just make a tournament, or you actually need to sort of get something kind of permission? I think for the rating spot, you can just play games. Basically, that's the like, National Federation. Can has the right to do it. They don't need to announce it in uh, advance or something like this. No, I don't think so. That okay. is my impression. Um, but there are open tournaments, you know, all over that the is world true, at all course, times. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Sammy CJS has been mentioned mm-hmm. as a tournament where people can definitely play, and it is in the FIDE circuit, so there will be some points there. But I'm, I don't think anyone has entered Sunway CJS because... The other thing is that there is a couple more players who have a shot at the rating spot. But so, only marginally, right? I mean... Uh, I mean, Vincent Keimer needs 14 points. 14 points is a lot, right? I mean, let's say you play Sitges. I mean, it's not like you start with 5 out of 5 and you want uh, 14 points. I think that's not going to be enough, right? You're gonna need. Yeah, he's probably gonna need plus six out of the ten games. Is my yeah. guess. Maybe plus seven. I'm not but sure. Also... Plus six is not gonna be enough, is it? Mm, that's only no, probably, like because that's that's four draws. Yeah, you probably need plus seven, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is. But like, you can't you can't get the spot unless you play something. That is a reason. Well, you need to be very lucky that they lose a bunch of rating, but yeah, it's probably not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I think everyone who is serious about this should be playing something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, also, it depends how important you find qualifying for the candidates, but somehow it's pretty important, right? I mean, I mean, I guess there's some questions about how important Wesley finds it. I mean, that I think I Fabiano follow. said that he's very confident Wesley won't play again. No, I mean, well, also, you saw Wesley in St. Louis. Sure, he wanted to draw against uh, Karana because then basically he wins the tournament and, and qualifies for candidates. Uh, he you know messes mixes up two moves in the opening, he's dead lost. Then he needs to win the next game to Nep- Nepom to catch up, and that would effectively mean qualification. He doesn't even try. I, I mean, this is a must-win game to uh, qualify for the candidates, and he plays a known well-known drawing lines and draws in twenty minutes. Then you don't care, right? I mean, yeah, it doesn't feel like it. It's the most important thing in the world. Of course, you could argue that now he's secured that he's number one on rating. But I mean, we assume someone will overtake him. Actually, Giri is only eight points behind. So, yeah, I mean, Anish hasn't announced that he's playing in anything. No, so I would. I would be very surprised if Anish, Ali Reza, and Vincent don't play anything at all. Like well, to me, that's Anish can strange. wait a bit, but you're arguing that well, it's for free. I mean, he's not going to improve his uh, Grand uh, uh, Circuit standing, so he can just as well try for the other one, right? Yeah. So uh, Anish is in the lead for the Fide Circuit. It's not secure because Gukesh can win a tournament and overtake him, but only him, right? 
basically only him. There, there's still the world rapid in blitz to come at the end of the year, uh, and some people can make some points there, but it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be enough. Mm-hmm. No, I think they were mentioning, you know, if well, if world rapid and blitz happens, of course, should some guy win both, he's actually going to collect a lot of points, right? But uh, uh, no, that's not true. It's not true. Okay. No, you only get one non-standard event. Okay, so you need to win probably, and probably Rapid gives more points than Blitz, so you need to win. I mean, maybe they were mentioning if Iregaisi become World Rapid Champion, he would get close, or maybe Apusatsarov or something like that. But uh... I think Iregaisi, maybe if he wins... Iregaisi is playing in the India As tournament. Well. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then maybe if he wins World Rapid, possibly. Yeah, yeah. but okay. We are talking... But I, I think actually World Rapid and Blitz are both very poor attempts to... Because I think the factor is 0.6, the multiplier, while uh, Classical gives 1, and it basically devalues it massively in terms of Grand Prix. Yeah, but also like in ter- I think it's very much... Uh, it's not just a lottery, but it's a very difficult lottery to win. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think you know, Gukesh plays these two round robins. I think his chances of winning one are maybe not super high, but, you know, I don't know, 25%. No. Also, if anything, but, I would argue that the circuit favors closed event, right? I mean, if you take the top eight rated player of a closed event with eight players, or you top, take top eight players of an event with 100 strong players, obviously the latter one is much more difficult to win than the first, right? And this yeah. is not, not really count, counted for in some way. But yeah, but like winning, winning world rapper, especially that Magnus is playing, yeah, yeah. and you need to, you need clear first basically to get enough points. It's anyway, it's it's kind of chaotic. Yeah. I generally don't really like it. I think other sports would have a much clearer format. I think maybe also you know it favors people who can get someone to dig up uh, two close grandmaster tournaments like uh, Gukesh here in the end. But to say it's not exciting would be wrong. Yeah, I mean it's definitely exciting, and I yeah, obviously Gokesh has a a big advantage over others at the moment. But also, like they did invite people who are very motivated, like yeah, Dominguez yeah. and Parham. I agree, they are not making it embarrassing. I I haven't done the math, but basically you could figure out okay, Gokesh needs to win an event of eight players with this average, and then you take the feeder list, and then you choose me, Fresinet. Maybe Gustav is too good in shape, but you can start handpicking players to get the exact same number. And uh, I mean, yeah, and I mean, even from like, I think you need quite a strong kind of top eight. So, but even from the twenty seven hundred plus players, like you can definitely pick guys that are not, yeah, yeah. don't have a anything to gain except for you know a nice well, tournament. You can argue Dominguez probably will start. He will just be happy making plus one or plus two, whatever is required for him to gain this uh, two rating points, right? Yeah, but, I, uh, should, I should imagine so. And so also, so. I think it would be incredibly rude for him to win the first game. And... <laughs> it would be very funny, but... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think he would be invited back to uh, the country of India ever again. <laughs> no, no. I mean, well, uh, at some point I played this youth versus veterans in, in the Netherlands. I was actually on the veterans teams, despite being many years ago. And uh, Giri and Nakamura was fighting to uh, qualify for uh, this Melody Amber tournament. Mm-hmm. And Giri was leading, but I beat him in the last tournament. And some said, yeah, yeah, well, congratulations when you win. And, uh, well, we'll never see you again, right? Because I be- beat the local guy. Well, I think the tournament probably finished, so it was not really relevant in that sense. But um, And they invited Giri anyway. But um, I get your point that it becomes... Well, there is something wrong with organizing events. It's like... 
they stop being events for their own sake. They are basically all about this, right? Yeah, and I mean, this, this is where we can finally criticize Fide. Yes. Um, this is the, the problem with outsourcing a big part of the cycle to not just another organizer, because like I think Fide can outsource things to another organizer. Um, for example, if there was a qualification spot from the Grand Chess Tour, that would have gone to Fabi. Yeah, yeah. If there was one for the Champions Chess Tour, that would likely go to you know, whoever's played in Toronto this weekend. It's going to be someone very strong. And I think having it kind of clear like that would be okay. But outsourcing it to just whoever wants to organize a tournament and like basically more or less no restrictions is going to make things very messy. And No, I feel that it's almost parasitic to the events that St. Louis, well, I mean, I don't know if they even asked permission for St. Louis, can we use your event for this? But basically the focus was how is this sort of, what is the implication for candidates tournament? Like who's going to win this event? Well, basically no one cared, right? And uh, I don't know how it is for those who actually paid for this event, that suddenly they become a sideshow in the candidate qualifications rather than an event of their own. Or maybe it's just cool for them. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's not clear that organizers are no. upset about it or anything. I'm sure that for most organizers, it's probably a nice little bonus for mm -hmm. them. But yeah, it does seem to be that if you're going to have a serious world championship cycle, then you need to actually have control over the qualifying events. And at the moment, FIDE doesn't. I mean, with the rating spot, you're, it's always going to be a little bit complicated because, you know, that includes all events. Maybe you need to have similar system for qualification for Mr. Dutty, right? That, you know, I mean, okay, so St. Louis is going to decide who gets the, the spot. Are you, that, you're not going to give away your dictatorial rights there, no? No, it's definitely not something that I would do. Okay. Um, but also, Fabi mentioned that it's kind of insane that the rating spot is decided by one rating list rather than the average of 12 as it used to be. Well, average of 12 didn't work either because the that... first list becomes much more important than the latter list. Yeah, but I mean, you could probably, you can weigh it differently throughout the years. I generally so... agree that there must be some good way to, to solve it. I mean, this one also, well, we end up with these artificial situations where, you know, we can calculate till the end. We're going to sit there with our spreadsheets and we will make artificial events, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe you could argue, let the World Cup be the last counting tournament and then everybody can play. Maybe then you, you start getting knocked out on purpose. I don't know. But um, I mean. Yeah, it's. It's not perfect, but this this definitely leads to kind of the most chaotic outcome, which I'm not entirely against. I think it's entertaining. But... I understand. It's not doesn't make us look very serious as a sport, but uh, maybe who cares? Uh, I mean, it's yeah, not, it's not boring. That's <laughs> true. So I was going to ask you if you were to advise one of the say twenty seven forty players who have a chance at the rating spot but need to do something. What would you advise him to do this month? Let's say, like, I don't know, either Vincent or Parham. What do you think would maximize their chances to get to the candidates? Because I don't think it's super clear. Like, you can't crush, you know, a bunch of 2600s in a row on demand, but you still need, you know, 15 points. So, like, how do you do it? Yeah. Well, also, I mean, it sounds like Sitges is the best you can find. I mean... Well, I think, first of all, you need to find something, right? Uh, where you have any kind of realistic scenario. And um, again, we get into this kind of situation you spoke about with Nakamura playing. That, well, if your clear target is to win, 
as much rating as possible. Maybe you can give it a shot. And um, but I mean, the point is, Kmo has to win fourteen points. Maybe Max Sotlo something similar. It's a lot. If you start an open yeah. tournament, even if you play a twenty-six hundred guy, you win three points. You have to beat five in a row. That's not easy. Yeah, I but wonder if is it... is to play a match against his other. To be honest. Yeah, that's maybe true. I'm not joking. Suddenly, that's actually a good well, idea. I mean, yeah. Well, Parham's actually played in the India tournament, so he has one. But uh, uh-huh. Vincent hasn't. I don't know if Vincent's going to play anything. I I actually wondered if it's legal to arrange a match where one player plays white in every game. I don't know. <laughs> because then, because like obviously yeah. there there's ways to you know. Yeah, games can be fixed, but I don't think that's a route we should go down. No, but to maximize the chances, if Vincent was to play, you know, some twenty six fifty grandmaster, but he gets white in six games in a row, you is mean that legal? Uh, some exhibition? Probably, I would assume there is some kind of restrictions in the rules, but I don't know because you Do can we... happen. It can happen if you play like league games, for example. Yeah, you yeah. Know, you, you your do. board I mean, changes, and you can get the the team can give you white in every game. Then it becomes a strategy, at least, and that's. I mean, John Nunn scored uh, some amazing result, and probably he had nine uh, whites. I think also uh, Arakamia, uh, Arakamia, sorry, became a grandmaster, and uh, for Scotland, she made her last norm. And she got quite some whites, if I recall correctly. I really don't uh, sort of uh, criticize me if I remember wrong. But mm-hmm. this can be done. But if you can do it in a tournament like this. But what they did some years back, and I remember discussing it with Stuart Rubin, is that, well, they wanted to have a, um, Hastings wanted to have a knockout tournament, but with a lot of rounds in a short a number of times. So they had mm-hmm. one game knockouts, meaning that white maybe had... 90 minutes and black had 60 minutes but white needed to win but mm-hmm. the, they rated the games anyway so maybe there is i mean they said okay you don't need to have the i mean well the rating the time allowance has to be within the the framework of the fetus rule for classical chess but there's nothing saying you need to have the same amount of time that puzzled yeah. me and that, a bit. that's even better because he needs to win all the games yeah, anyways. <laughs> yeah you're saying okay <laughs> He gets eight hours as, and the white pieces against yeah sixty minutes and no agreement. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know. Like it's it would be interesting to see because I mean you can play those genuine games as well. Like yeah. like you know twenty six fifty is going to have a hard time against Vincent with six. Well, also, in I a mean, row, but... I think what Ding did was fine. He needed all these games, but I mean they were arranged for one purpose only, right? And. Um... Yeah, but that's different because that was just to play enough games. That wasn't Maybe it the results. Didn't really, it didn't matter. I mean, he could not lose an insane amount of elo, but that was more or less it, right? Something yeah. like this. Yeah, yeah. And also, and the, the other players in that tournament drew every single game amongst each other. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know if it's if it's possible. No, it's not ideal, and that's also. I mean, it would be better that let's say the tournament list of eligible tournaments was published two months in advance. But, um, well, at least now we it's a great content. But I, I don't know if a World Championship cycle should be like... I, I cannot imagine 
FIFA qualifying for a World Cup like this, right? But, you know, uh, yeah, I've, I feel like there are two. There are more potential loopholes than is uh, maybe sensible. I think it's okay to have one or two, but this seems like an absurd amount of loopholes that you. Yeah, can, yeah. Uh, let Let's see. I around. mean, if on the twenty eighth of December someone decides, okay, I really need these uh, seven games and quickly has a weekend uh, tournament, right? I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I doubt. I, my hunch is that again, chess players are generally quite decent so i have some decent uh, sense of justice so i don't think anything outrageous is going to happen but uh, who knows but of course theoretically speaking we could have a game on the 31st of december where some guy plays white against uh, a 1900 players and need to win his one yellow point right and then uh, yeah that's just it i mean yeah that's what dominguez should have done <laughs> just oh, get scheduled be- one game that is true. He could just have played uh, his home league against uh, literally Patsas, right? Yeah. I mean, he needed a FIDE circuit event as well, so... That he needed, okay. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, this could still happen. He could finish the tournament on exactly the same rating. Also, is it possible that someone can play an event under the radar? You know, I mean, there could be some event... That is legally federated, but they don't publish it and anything like this. And then suddenly, you know, oops, there was some guy. Yeah, the, the, I was also kind of curious about this because the Indian tournament didn't get announced until very late. And I wondered if they were deliberately not promoting it. And then I wondered, like, with some way seat chess, if a player asked to be entered to enter the tournament and but not put on the entry list until the day of the tournament. Yeah, would that be allowed? And I heard a kind of a similar thing happened last year. Uh, in what I'm not sure if it was Sitges or if it was one of the other tournaments in Spain, but Hans Neiman played a couple of tournaments and he asked not to be published on the website until the event started because he didn't want to be like harassed by people. He didn't want mm-hmm. people kind of following him around and stuff, which is totally reasonable. So I was. Just curious if like someone will appear on some random tournament and just yeah, as soon as the event starts, oh yeah, they're here. Well, some of these events are least I recall have the rule that well you can enter two hours before the the start, right? And then you mm-hmm. just come there. Of course, well, someone with who is relevant for candidates would normally expect a fee, but this is an extraordinary situation, right? So if yeah, as you say, if Kama just shows up and sits and says, "But by the way, uh, yeah, I would like to register for this event." And I say, "Sure, what's your rating? Twenty-seven forty, okay." And then they, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, you get a discount, ten euros yeah. off. Yeah, like... yeah, something like this. Okay, but late entry fee. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it's it'll be a very interesting month. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely was a lot more chess yeah. than we expected. So <laughs> I'm generally against it, but it's good content. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be exciting, and uh, we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, we basically didn't criticize FIDE for the first hour, but uh, well, that's more or less it. Yeah, we got some digs in. That's the main thing. Okay. Good. Good. So, okay. See you next week. Thanks for listening, both of you. Yep. See you next week, everyone. Bye bye.